0: Welcome back to part two of KPBS Cinema Junkies preview of the 2019 TCM Classic Film Festival. I'm Beth Accomando. As I mentioned in part one of this podcast, we're trying some new things here at KPBS. So bear with us as we grow and change. Episodes will now be 30 minutes in length, so we can be included in the NPR One app and reach a larger audience. And soon, there'll be some short spots running inside each podcast. So this week's preview podcast of the TCM Classic Film Festival comes to you in two parts. In part one, I spoke with TCM Classic Film Festival programmer, Charles Tabish, about what the festival has to offer. And for part two, I speak with Sean Belston, the archivist at 20th Century Fox, who'll be hosting a presentation at the festival dedicated to looking back on the history of the Fox studio. studio faces some changes under its new owner of Disney. This Fox-Disney merger has already resulted in a large number of layoffs, and the future of the actual Fox studio lot is still up in the air. But Sean Belston is hopeful that Disney's dedication to preserving its own history will extend to its newly acquired Fox properties. I've always wanted to speak with a film archivist because I think their work is incredibly important, and I don't think most people fully understand or appreciate what they do. I started my interview by asking Belston how he would define what his job
1: is. Sure. Thanks for asking. I mean, my job is a combination of a lot of things from the sort of sublime to the banal. My job is part archaeologist, part uh, filmmaker, wrangler, and and part just manager of uh, physical assets around the world. My job actually kind of covers the gamut of responsibilities from things like making sure that our vaults are the right temperature and that the film is perpetuated the film and tapes are stored in an in a environment that perpetuates them safely for future generations, to more uh, exciting things uh, like working with filmmakers on the restoration and preservation of their artistic achievements.
2: Now, the idea of film preservation has not been something that's been with the film industry since its inception. So like, when did this kind of consciousness of needing to take really good care of these kind of, even the most fundamental thing, like just having a good negative around or something, when did that kind of come into play and really start being kind of a a movement for studios to kind of save their past?
1: Yeah, film was totally disposable, uh, or thought of as totally disposable for for most of its first century, really. It wasn't until the late 1980s when Martin Scorsese and a group of of like-minded filmmakers Approached all the major studios to start uh, film restoration and preservation departments, that at least in Hollywood it really took root. So it's thanks to the work of the Film Foundation um, that that all started as a kind of movement in Hollywood. This is the late 1980s. Film archives, though, existed uh, much before that. So going clear back to the 30s, um, places like the Museum of Modern Art, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has, has had a film archive for a very long time. UCLA Film and Television Archive, all in America. Not to mention a lot, a number of really prominent film archives around the world that predate the, the what we think of in Hollywood as the sort of movement to restore and preserve our libraries.
2: How did you get into this position? Because is there do people study to do this? Was this something that you wanted to do? How did you get into this job?
1: Today it's different than when I started because today there are a number of of uh, postgraduate programs where you can learn, go and study and learn about the history of archiving and and all of the technical practices required to to do the job. When I started, uh, there wasn't really that sort of a thing. And it was a matter of kind of learning on the job. A passion for movies, which I've had since I was a kid, was really the the entry point for me. Uh, And and in the mid-1990s, when I came to work at Fox, uh, passionate about movies, I just happened to be lucky enough to work for a person who was a champion and said, oh, you should go to the lab and find out how all this stuff works. And a bunch of really great people at Deluxe Film Lab who, and who are no longer around took me under their wing and sort of showed me the ropes of how a film lab works. And I learned literally kind of on the job.
2: The upcoming TCM Film Festival is going to have a panel kind of paying tribute to Fox and to the work you do. How did that come about and, and what's that going to entail?
1: I'm super excited about it, uh, actually, because it's uh, it's been an interesting and, and and exciting time here at the studio as as we've been for the last uh, 15 months working on the uh, toward a to transition to being part of the Walt Disney Company, and as part of that, uh, Stacy Snyder, the chairman of Fox, championed with the TCM Festival doing some sort of a Fox section, and part of that, so we're running a number of Fox movies. At the festival, the titles both uh, super well known as well as some obscurities. And they asked me to make a clip show, uh, sort of celebrating uh, the film restoration department that we've had here for over 20 years. The clip show is a kind of personal journey through uh, our preservation department, providing an overview of the Fox Library. It's 90 minutes of me telling stories about various restoration projects that we've worked on, as well as a bit of the history of the studio. Uh, and then showing as many clips as possible, which is is the most fun, of course. But also kind of the hardest, because figuring out if you have a a finite amount of time, what clips do you show to represent the library fairly? It's been a, a really fun process to kind of put together my career of being Responsible for the library and getting to know most of the films that Fox made, there are a lot of Sophie's choices that have to be made about oh, what movies should you include and not include, and and just as as fun as it is to put together, like well, obviously there has to be a clip from The Sound of Music, but there are other movies that are just as beloved to me that didn't make the cut. It's
2: like choosing who your favorite child is, right? It is
1: like choosing your <laughs> totally like choosing who your favorite child is, and I've done a few little kind of test runs of this. I'm not a showman by trade, uh, (laughs) really, and it's funny because it's been a process for me um, getting to put this thing together. I've been really lucky to get to do it because it's been a really wonderful opportunity to reflect on, you know, 100 years of of the Fox, 20th Century Fox Corporation, and as well as, you know, my own personal loves. 1979. I'll give you an example. 1979 is a huge movie. is a huge movie year at Fox. Uh, it was the year of Alien, most famously, but also all that jazz and Norma Rae and Breaking Away and The Rose. All of those movies are terrific, and I think would belong in a any kind of historical clip show. Um, you can't not have Alien, so so Alien is in there, um, but. I love all that jazz, uh, Bob Fosse's picture so much that I couldn't not include it somehow. So that's actually the only year where they've got two movies. Actually, that's not that sorry, that's not true. Uh, never mind, <laughs> uh, because there are two movies from nineteen seventy also. But it's a, it's a it, nineteen seventy nine. You know, including all that jazz is like a question of you know, not a movie that is particularly well known, but is a movie that I just personally love. So I got to do a few, make a few selections like that at the cost of no, uh, no Home Alone, for example.
2: Now, I understand you don't want to reveal, give away what your program's going to be, but can you talk about the films that are screening in their entirety that are going to be at the TCM Film Festival?
1: Where we, we went back and forth so many times with Charlie Tabish and the team there, who are just terrific, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. So, we are, so they are running, gosh, so many great movies. I, they're running 70mm Sound of Music, which is... Difficult to see in seventy millimeter. That should be really spectacular at a new at a new venue. This uh, American Legion Post Forty Three building um, on Highland, which is this really kind of beautiful old meeting room come movie theater, is that I'm excited about. That's also where my where my uh, appreciation clip show is. But they're running many of my one of many of my own favorite movies, which I realize are many people's favorite Fox movies, Marilyn Monroe and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which is an incredible use a uh, technicolor but also it's like Marilyn at her at her at her most Marilyn. Diamonds our Girl's best friend is worth worth going for alone. Working girl uh you know the great Mike Nichols movie that we restored with uh with Mike and uh and his cameraman Michael Bauhaus. Um who shot it. Butch Cassidy, a Sundance Kid which we restored with uh the great great cinematographer Conrad Hall, Shirley Temple and the Little Colonel and then of course Again, another movie that you can't talk about the history of Fox without screening is Star Wars, which for me was the movie that started it all. It was the movie that I saw when I was very small that sort of inspired my own love of movies. So it's been, for me, a kind of a fun full-circle um, career. that I remember so vividly seeing that movie in my small town in Powell, Wyoming where people lined up outside. There were only 5,000 people in the town, but there was still a line of people waiting for the next show, it made such a big impression on me. It's been kind of incredible is really the only word I can use to describe the fact that I then got to 20 years later, 20-some years later, got to actually work on the on the preservation of it. So that's running also at the Chinese Theater on uh, Saturday night, so I'm excited about that.
2: And that is the special edition version, correct?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, um, that is a, uh, the DCP of the... 1997 Special Editions, which which actually inspired, you know, our restoration department here at Fox, the Star Wars movies. As, as a company, Fox had an archive, um, and we had a sort of uh, restoration department, preservation department, really. We had a preservation department, really, that made copies of um, of movies for archiving for maintaining uh, geographic separation of assets, which is a whole other thing. We could talk about some other time if you like. But there wasn't really a proper restoration department. And the restoration of the the creation of the special edition of the Star Wars movies was the impetus to start that. George Lucas had saved all of the elements better than the studio had, and they were really useful in in restoring that movie, uh, Star Wars A New Hope. Um, But it also really lit uh, the fire at the studio about the condition of our assets. Um, Before that, even with the work that uh, Marty and and the Film Foundation was doing, there wasn't a huge amount of traction here at Fox for restoration. I think the assumption was, well, it's probably not as bad as they're saying, but the state of Star Wars woke everybody up to like, oh, wait a minute, this is actually something that is important and, and is... Is our film heritage is something that we have to proactively manage. It doesn't just sort of exist in the vault, and we can drag it out whenever we want, like an old book. So we started. It was the, it was the Star Wars special edition. My boss, Ted Galliano, at the time, and I put together a proposal to the studio to start a restoration department with 10 movies. They said yes, and, and, and we were off to the races. So it's really Star Wars uh, that we owe a great debt of gratitude for all these other movies that have been preserved. In fact, all of the ones that are running at the TCM Festival are, in one way or another, inspired by uh, the work that uh, that we did on Star Wars.
2: So, in terms of your department, how many people are working on archives and on preservation? Is it a large department, small department?
1: It's a, it's a relatively small department. And just in terms of restoration and preservation, we've got about five people that work on it, and it kind of has grown and shrunk and, and over the years. As the market has uh, has dictated, so much of what we have to do, because we are a, we're a for-profit business, of course, is we have to prioritize things based on their on their marketability, on the value of them, as well as the you know creative uh, importance, this cultural significance, uh, which is is quite important. So, in the heyday of DVD, for example, when there was a much bigger obvious market for the for the catalog, we were able to do more than we do now. But but. Fox has been very committed over the last two decades to preserving their their part of our of our movie heritage, and 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 remains so today. So yes, yeah, so it's like five people, and we and we work on, you know, uh, I think we've had at any one time probably twenty or so movies going.
2: You know, this seems to be a particularly kind of tumultuous time for Fox with the the Disney merger. How does that feel for you? I mean, do you feel like a little nostalgic about, you know, what Fox was and that it may be different moving forward? Or how does that feel for you?
1: I'm excited, actually, because it seems like, it feels like we're on the brink of some whole new evolution and and and, and we're on the brink of a whole new chapter in the story of Fox, uh, which I think is, as an archivist, we tend to embrace the past, uh, and, and uh, I like that, and I'm all for it, and I definitely feel very nostalgic, and I, I, I have a picture on my desk of uh, Walt Disney and, and Daryl Zanuck together at some award show, and they're both smiling, and, and I think Disney's presenting Zanuck with some kind of a trophy, and uh, I would love to, I, I can't help but wonder what they would make of this world that we live in today. What would they make of these two companies, these two legendary companies coming together? it's exciting because it's opportunity they have a huge library we have a huge library we have very different libraries and and how people whose responsibility is to figure out how to combine them and monetize them and and make them interesting i think is going to be really fun to see how that unfolds i hope i get to be a part of it you know and from an archival point of view from you know the another thing that i'm responsible for all of the objects props and posters and costumes and on, on ephemera and Disney has been historically super dedicated to the preservation of that, and I'm excited to see how that kind of gets applied, those practices get applied to to our collection, which we have admittedly been you know, very passionate about but have, have, have not done as much publicly with. To
2: give people an idea of kind of the work and the detective work sometimes that goes into preserving or restoring or, or, or keeping these films, is there one film that you want to highlight as an example and and maybe give a little insight into what went into preserving it or bringing it back to life?
1: Uh, Sure. So, I mean, so for most of the films that are owned by the studio, you would assume that the obvious thing is we would have all of the best material because we own the movies. But for Fox, uh, all of the films made pre-1950 are in bad shape. That's primarily because uh, the nitrate film stock that they were all photographed on uh, was was decided to be a liability by the studio in the 1970s, and they copied and then destroyed all, copied the films and then destroyed the original material. So sometimes the best material on those films is actually not in our own archive, but is somewhere else. Quite often, in fact, that is the case. So we've had a lot of collaborative relations. We've had a long collaboration with uh, film archives around the world, and, and, and all kinds of really interesting things have come out of that. Um, UCLA, for example, um, has... Uh, a, a, very big Fox collection, including a version of My Darling Clementine, which is another of my favorite movies. Uh, that's different than the release version at Fox. The Jules Dassin picture Night in the City. We have the original, we have the nitrate original negative, but there are two other cuts of the movie that exist in film archives. So, so that is really interesting to find out, you know, what to see what other people have. But to me, the probably the most interesting recent example um, from the last ten years, anyway. Uh, was a discovery in New Zealand uh, of a bunch of, of American uh, silent films. Among them was uh, a John Ford picture that was thought to be lost called Upstream, which is a terrific little movie. It was found by some American archivists who were invited down to New Zealand to help them catalog this film, and we restored the movie in collaboration with the Academy Film Archive and the New Zealand Film Archive, and it was really kind of amazing to get to see and then show a new John Ford movie (laughs) a 100 years later to people.
2: What was maybe the strangest way you came across a film? I mean, you hear sometimes, oh, well, somebody, you know, when they passed away, they found a box of film in their garage or something was under the bed and they didn't know. Is there any case of that that was particularly surprising?
1: Oh, there are two things i mean upstream was discovered so upstream the reason that upstream was in new zealand was there was a projectionist a local projectionist who had collected film over the years and then that film had eventually ended up at the new zealand film archive and so upstream was saved by uh... by an unnamed kiwi projectionist who just kept it in his garage for years that's the closest story that that i have to that specific kind of thing but we have a lot of these kind of discoveries happen all the time I'm still hopeful. Um, in fact, that my the sort of the great white whale of lost movies for me is uh, a picture called The Four Devils, which was F.W. Murnau, who was this great German expressionist director who made Sunrise, which is also running at the TCM festival. Uh, is Sunrise is Sunrise's maybe his masterpiece? Great movie. He was lured by William Fox to America to make whatever movie he wanted. and He made Sunrise, and then he made uh, a movie right afterward called Four Devils, which the contemporary reviews say, ah, oh, Four Devils is even better than Sunrise, if you can believe that. And it's lost, or believed to be lost. I'm hopeful that it's going to pop up somewhere in someone's attic or garage, or maybe European Film Archive, who knows. But anyway, the other, the other example, uh, really, of this kind of like oddball uh, discovery was a cool cache of nitrate film that was being stored by Fox, actually under our noses, and we didn't know it existed, in Ogdensburg, New Jersey. So in 1999, we went back to New Jersey to, to help them pack up the film vaults there that had been part of the Fox and Deluxe family for decades, back to the 30s, I think. Anyway, mostly what we thought we were going there to pack up was the movie tone news footage, which was going to be deposited at the Library of Congress. As we were going through the news reels and talking to these, these great guys who ran that facility, Every time there was a movie-related, uh, a motion picture-related newsreel, a movie premiere or something, I was excited about it. And so finally, after like a week, one of the guys said, "Hey, you really like movies, don't you? You, you should see the movie footage that we have." And I said, "Oh yeah, well that's what we're doing here. You know, packing up the movie." Tony said, "No, no, 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 no. We have movies. uh... We have movie material also. And in the back of the property, they had stored nitrate film that we had thought we had records had been destroyed, but in fact they hadn't actually destroyed it. They just sort of tucked it away. And in there." were some original camera negatives and, and super useful secondary elements, fine grain masters and dupe negatives, which are elements that are very commonly used in film restoration. But the biggest find in there was the original negative of, of Jules Dasson's Night in the City, which was incredible to come across. And even more incredible incredibly, we got to make a we got to restore preserve the movie. We made a new print and when Mr Dasson was on his final trip to Los Angeles we had him over to the studio and showed him a movie. I uh, showed him a print of the movie from the original negative, which he had never seen because of the, the circumstances in which the movie was made, with the blacklist. He was in Europe, etc. He never saw a print from the O like he Said until 2001, I think it was.
2: Okay, now I have this image of like the lost ark of the covenant. Those big, you know, <laughs> warehouses. <laughs> yeah, venturing in yeah, to was, find something.
1: Was, well, nitrate's super dangerous, right? Right. So it's, it can be very dangerous. It's a it's a bit. Properly cared for nitrate is fine, but as it deteriorates, it gets, it gets pretty dodgy. And Volatile. so, yeah, these people had decided it was just not safe. So they just tucked, instead of incinerating it or getting rid of disposing of it, they just tucked it away into the, you know, in the back of a, you know, a vault in the back of the property and, and there it sat, which was lucky for me. Lucky for Fox.
2: And can you give people an idea of, you know, we think that, that things are saved and, and preserved, and, but the bulk of films have really been lost, haven't they?
1: Yeah, there's a statistic that's kind of passed around that something like uh, more than half of all the films before 1950 are lost. But certainly the silent era and early sound era, you know, film was was a distribution mechanism more than a, a piece of art. So, the films were transported around the world really and just run until they couldn't be run anymore and then thrown away. There were a few kind of key moments. There was a big fire in uh, in New Jersey in the mid-1930s that burned down a lot of warehouses that stored a lot of silent-era films. That was probably the biggest single loss of that generation of film. People didn't really think about film as something worth saving, you know, and as a result, so much of it pre-1950 is is, is just simply gone. I still, I think it's very fun, though, to think of the fact that it may exist out there, at least in in... in Small, very key ways in in private hands. It's somebody, people have loved movies since the beginning, and people who love them have saved them. You know, you've probably heard the story in the last few years of the discovery of more missing, more of the missing footage from Metropolis in uh, was it Buenos Aires, I think. So, as long as there are people who love movies in the world, I feel like maybe there's a chance that these films, some of these films, will will reappear. But so many are gone. The Library of Congress actually has a great registry of all the silent films that we know, of, uh, American silent films that we know exist and, and those that we know or we believe to be lost.
2: And as an archivist, what are you looking to in the future in terms of now everything seems to be moving to digital, and is that better, worse, uncertain?
1: From an archival point of view, I think we're at an interesting inflection point that's not unlike what I was just what I was talking about with silent film, where we take for granted the perpetuation and the sort of permanence of digital media, which I think may not be entirely sound. <laughs> it is likely, although, you know, I hope not, that that we may be in a position 25 years from now where we say, oh, gee, all those, those, those early digital movies uh, are lost in their original form because we didn't properly preserve them. The studios have digital preservation strategies, but there's all kinds of independent cinema, and, and as, as the making of movies has become so democratized, uh, I wonder, why, what about so many movies that I love that are independent, but that don't have the resources or the sort of institutional structure around, oh, here's how we should perpetuate these? I worry that, that, that a lot of that will be lost. and I think that that's probably the next big thing that, that our field should focus on, is how do we perpetuate uh, digitally born movies of all shapes and sizes for future generations.
2: I feel like there's this confidence on a certain level in, in digital as opposed to analog, and yet we don't know what 50 years down the road might reveal about what these formats are capable of in terms of how durable they are.
1: The, the appearance of media being ubiquitous in the digital era is an illusion, right? It seems like, oh, if I can get it on iTunes, it must exist in a way that I'll always be able to access it, for example. And while that may or may not, that, well, that may or may not actually be true, because what's underneath the thing that's on a digital platform is, is completely temporal and, and, and temporary, and it's a, governed by a license, and it's a compressed version, and yada, yada, yada. We still believe strongly, I shouldn't say that, I still <laughs> believe strongly in analog media. And that's not necessarily to degrade the quality of a digital to fit it onto an analog form. For example, you know, a, magnet, a piece of magnetic sound film does not have the same uh, frequency response as, as we're able to get in the digital world. I'm not suggesting that we should downgrade to, to, to be Luddite, but there is the opportunity, on the picture side anyway, to record data to film in a way that, uh, uh, that will perpetuate it. God forbid something happened to the, uh, the digital original material. And so we still do that. We still record um, black and white panchromatic YCM Masters on all of our movies, uh, in case someday someone needs to scan them to make a new digital version.
2: Is there any misconception you think people might have about film preservation or archives that you'd want to address or something that you want people to know about what you do that you think they may not fully appreciate?
1: I guess the thing that I feel people should know is that we shouldn't take for granted that our favorite movies are just going to always be there. Because without very specific and careful practice, storage, preservation, they won't be perpetuated into the future. And I don't know how much we appreciate the the sort of temporariness of, of, of movies.
2: It's a little it's a little bit kind of poetic and romantic about <laughs> the medium. I
1: think you have to be poetic and romantic about it. It's art.
2: Well, and it's film. There's something I I mean, I've always loved movies, so I've always found something particularly magical about film and about those images on the big screen, so yeah.
1: Me too. And I love I love both. I've come to love both. I was I was definitely and am in my heart a film lover. I like seeing the flicker, right? Seeing the unsteadiness of the film as it moves through the, the machine, the kind of the fact that it just seems kind of impossible and magic that that works somehow. Uh, I love that. Um, but I've come around to love digital also, in, in, in what it can do, in the fact that it's super repeatable, and the most fun is being in a room with a few hundred people watching a movie, right, whether it's digital oh, yeah. or not. like I still <laughs> love going to the local AMC and seeing a uh, Dolby vision of the new Chris Nolan movie, and it's fantastic and perfect, and the audience laughs and cries the same as they do, you know, at a 70 millimeter screening of Patton
2: Well, I want to thank you very much for speaking with me, and hopefully enlightening people as to what you do in the archive department and uh, I look forward to seeing your presentation at TCM.
1: Well, thanks, it's my pleasure I'll see you there
0: That was Sean Belston, Executive Vice President of Library and Technical Services at 20th Century Fox. He'll be hosting the Fox Appreciation Program on April 13th at the TCM Classic Film Festival. Thanks for listening to another episode of KPBS Cinema Junkie Podcast. Till our next film fix, I'm Beth Commando, your resident cinema junkie.